Hey guys, welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast. Here we tackle the challenges of indie game development head-on, from the technical side to the emotional side, and we talk about the secrets to conquering self-doubt on your journey to crafting games that people are going to love. Subscribe so you don't miss another episode, and if you haven't already, give us a rating and review so that this podcast gets shared with more people, because we really, really appreciate it. Ready? Let's go. Hey guys, I'm Brandon from Sasquatch B Studios, and I'm working on a game called Samurado. And this is a very, very special episode, and I'm really excited because I'm joined by YouTuber and game developer uh, DevDuck, and your name is Ben. Is it okay if I call you Ben throughout the interview? Of course. All right, yeah. all right, awesome. Thanks, Ben. He has a YouTube channel with 161,000, I just checked this morning, 161,000 subscribers, and his game Dolphin that he's working on, which is a 2D RPG about a marine biologist. It just looks really beautiful and really fun, and I'm just so excited to talk to you about all of this stuff. So let's get right into it. Right off the top, thank you so much for joining me, especially on a Sunday morning, because I know I know you're a really busy guy. You've got a full-time job, uh, game development, and YouTube, this very successful YouTube channel that you've got on the go. You do this all in your off time, which is absolutely incredible, because um, I, I spend my days trying to build the YouTube channel, and it's it's hard. It's, it's hard to build a channel with a lot of subscribers, and yet you're managing to do it part-time, which is absolutely incredible. So I know you're a busy guy, and I value your time, and I really appreciate you making the time to do this. For those people who are listening who just, they don't know who you are, they don't know DevDuck, they don't know your channel, they don't know your game, just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what your game is about. Well, first off, let me just also say thank you for having me um, in this video or, or podcast. Uh, I really do appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your channel as well. It's been awesome to see the growth since you reached out like a year ago and I was too busy <laughs> to do this. So I appreciate you uh, being willing to be flexible and patient um, to get this together. So yeah, thank you for having welcome. me. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, my name's Ben. I live in Virginia in the United States. Um, if you've seen the channel before, you know I am a full-time software engineer, um, mostly focusing in iOS and web development. And of course, on the side in my free time, I like to make games. Um, and that's kind of started out with two mobile games that I released many years ago, uh, both for Android and iOS. And now I'm kind of at the point where I'm finally working on my big passion project, the game I always wanted to build, the RPG that you mentioned. And that's at least three years into development, if not longer at this point. Um, and just continuing to make progress week by week. That's amazing. So I stumbled across your channel. I don't even know how long ago it was now. It's been a long time. Uh, but it was around the time that I really used to binge Thin Matrix. And it's not that I don't watch his stuff anymore, but I was like, I was obsessed with Thin Matrix back in the day. I watched every single thing he dropped the day that it dropped. Mm -hmm. And I discovered your channel at the same time. And I get very similar vibes between uh, the two of your channels. Were, did you, were you inspired by him or is that just kind of a coincidence? Not a coincidence. You're 100% right. <laughs> and I've actually had the privilege to chat with Carl at Thin Matrix a little bit and, and thank him for, you know, all the stuff he does on that channel, which is awesome. Um, I can distinctly remember I was at work one day, like before this channel started, um, on my lunch break on YouTube on my iPad, and I was watching videos and I stumbled upon Thin Matrix's channel. And it was just one random devlog for Equilinox, which is kind of his like environment uh, building game. And I was just so attracted to the idea of having your own routine, self-defined, working on a nice cozy game in a nice cozy space and being able to, you know, step away, go for a walk, cook a healthy lunch, right. and, you know, get right back into development. That whole thing just appealed to me so much. Um, 
And I couldn't help but think, you know, why why couldn't I try to adopt that lifestyle and maybe even make a devlog like he does? Um, and so he was 100% the inspiration for the channel itself, um, 100%. So yeah, and I still I still enjoy his content a bunch. It's still very motivating for me. That's so cool. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll get into YouTube a little bit. There are, but I want to talk about devlog uh, channels specifically because there are obviously a lot of devlog channels out there, right? And with varying degrees of success, I see a lot of them that struggle to get views. Uh, sometimes it's just because they're new and sometimes it's for unknown reasons. I personally on my channel, I've never found huge success with devlogs and I find that they're like five times more work to produce than some of the other types of content that I make. Uh, so for me personally, I've really slowed down and I'm sure that you can relate to like how much work it is to put together a devlog, right? But mm -hmm. on your channel, your average, uh, you know, based on like a cursory glance, you seem to get like 40, 50,000 views on almost every devlog. There's always exceptions, but a lot of your exceptions are far, far higher than that, sometimes 10 times higher than that. So what is your secret? <laughs> you seem to get very, very consistent views with your devlogs. I I wish it was as simple as having a secret because <laughs> then all my videos would get 200,000 views, right? Um, you know, this is something I, I've been asked plenty of times by other folks who are trying to create devlog series. Um, I think part of, I think a big part of what it comes down to is just consistency. Um, and also the fact that I, try to create devlogs that I genuinely enjoy watching myself. I don't try to pander to um, types of content that sometimes get a lot more views. Um, so I really try to make my videos partially for like folks who are interested in my projects, like the folks who just want to play Dauphin, but also very much towards other developers because that's the type of devlog that I personally like to watch. Um, but back to the consistency part, you know, I started making devlogs for Blink, which was that first mobile game that I ever released many years ago. And I don't know how many devlogs I had to make week after week until one of them got like 50 or 100 views. Uh, so it wasn't an immediate takeoff, right? It really was kind of grinding at it yep. to hone my style and find an audience um, that was actually kind of interested in what I was doing. Um, and I would also say that my goal was never to get to 100,000 plus subscribers. In fact, I never really expected that. Um, part of the reason I created the devlog was one, because I found Thin Matrix's stuff motivating and I was hoping that if I created some of that content, I could kind of pay that forward. Um, and also my thought process was that if I was creating devlogs about a game and even one or you know five would be great, five people were interested in the project I was building, that would be some accountability to help me stick with that project. Because right. until I created the devlog series, I basically never had finished a game that I had tried to start before. Um, so it was a success in that regard. And I guess from the continued posting and trying to just hone my content to make it a little higher quality with each devlog I posted, I seem to have amassed this following that I'm super grateful for and is very amazing. Um, but yeah, my advice would just be try to stick with it. Don't burn yourself out. You'll notice that I take huge breaks between devlogs. It's currently been a long time since my last off in devlog. Um, that's just that's just all part of it. You have to be consistent. Try to make those videos a little bit better and just keep at it. Um, but it seems to me that there's got to be some. I don't know if it, I don't think luck's the right word because I do think 
you know, I put a ton of effort into the devlogs. As yep. you mentioned, they take absolutely forever to make, <laughs> which is a pain when I just want to do game development. Um, but you just have to keep trying to get better. And of course, into the nitty gritty of it, the the title and the thumbnail, I'm still not good with that, but I can tell the difference it makes. And one great example of that is if I make a devlog and I have a screenshot of Dauphin as the thumbnail, that's when it tends to get like 20 to 30,000 views. Yep. But if I show a screenshot of like me working at my fancy desk setup, it's like 60 to 100,000 views, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Even if the content of the other thumbnail video is like so much more compelling in my opinion. Anyway, I'm just rambling. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but consistency and just refining your quality of your videos. There's a lot of really good tidbits in there. Thank, thank you for sharing that, by the way. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I have some experience with thumbnails and titles are absolutely everything. If people, it doesn't matter how good your video is. If people are not wanting to click on it, then it's not going to do well. So that's, that's huge. Yep. I do just want to say based on what you said, because you said you've taken a long break since your last devlog. So would you kind of agree that a part of, and I've heard you talk about like a balanced lifestyle in terms of like, you know, can you make a game as a hobby outside of your job? You know, you talk about burnout mm -hmm. and all that stuff and not need, not wanting to burn out. Um, would you agree that finding balance in life is kind of, um, because I used to think in order to find balance in my life, I have to find the perfect schedule that works exactly the same for me every single week and never changes without fail. And when I did that, it ended up, I would become so inflexible with my own weekly routine that I would kind of burn myself out from the actual routine itself. So do you find that there's kind of like this little bit of a give and take that needs to happen in order to remain uh, balanced, as it were? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I I do think you know because I'm kind of plugged into the productivity side of things as well. I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about that, and a lot of people I'll see will have these apps or even just use like their native calendar app and have time blocks set up throughout the day. Like, all right, I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna go exercise. I'm gonna walk the dog. Like all this stuff. There's not a minute free in the calendar because they've got everything planned out. That is definitely not something I think I could do. Um, I kind of try to take a broader approach where, you know, you hear me talking about waking up at five or five 30 in the morning every day and using that time for working out and working on my game before I actually have to go to work at like eight or 9 AM. Yep. Um, the reality is that that period of time between, you know, five 30 and 8 AM, some things are always going to be consistent. Like I, I will typically not try to skip a workout or if I, it's my day to like walk the dog, you know, I'm not going to skip that. Yep. But if I am on the tail end of, of like, especially on a Saturday morning after I've posted a devlog or, or the next day, if I'm just burnt out from grinding away on that devlog and having just made a bunch of progress on Dauphin, rather than working on my game during that time, that can be playing a game. Just grab a cup of coffee, play a game, disconnect for a little while. I'm so um, happy to hear so you there say is, that. There is yeah. a ton of give and take in that period for me. Um, and I think... That is the sole reason that I've been able to make videos for as long as I have and continue working on the same project for three years. And I, I genuinely don't feel any like long-term burnout with Dauphin because I let myself take those breaks. Um, and of course, I'm in the position where working on Dauphin and building games is not my livelihood, right? I have this full-time job. And so all this is really a hobby that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I have the flexibility to take time off from it. And that's not something that everyone in the game development industry 
um, you know, can do. So I, I definitely realized that I'm in a unique situation there and it results in a lot slower progress on my game as well. But that's, it's a give and take that's incredibly important to me. Yeah, I, I think people find you extremely relatable because you are, most people that watch stuff like your content, I think are people that are in your position. They have a full-time job and they want to get into game development. So the only time you have is either early in the morning or after work later that day. And, you know, depending on whether you're not, you've got a family, when that time is going to come into play is a bit questionable. But yeah, I, I think... I think that's one of the reasons that I was drawn to your channel early on as well. It was just like, yeah, it's like, because I found you just as motivating as Thin Matrix. It's like this guy, these guys have their friggin' crap together, man. Like they just, they mean business. But it does make me really happy to hear you say that like, yeah, your productivity is a bit of a give and take. Sometimes you need downtime and sometimes you need uh, time to just relax, unwind, play games. I think that's just as important for your creativity and inspiration as you know, productivity is as well. So I'm really, really happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I still love, I actually had someone ask in a comment the other day, do you play any video games? And it's like, yeah, I, I play them all the time. And I, I do try to call out in some devlogs like, hey, I, I just worked a lot today. So tonight I'm just going to play a video game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I still love, I have this huge backlog that I'm always trying to work through. Um, and it's an important part of my routine. Um, even a lot this past week in like my two hour working in the wind, two hour working window in the morning, the first hour would be working on Dauphin and the second hour would be playing a game before I went out to the garage to lift or something. So it's, it's a great balance. Um, and it's totally necessary in my opinion. That's awesome. Um, so speaking of devlogs, because I'm always curious, I I've had a suspicion, but it doesn't seem to pan out for everyone. So I'm curious how it is for you in terms of developing a game and then making a devlog on it sometimes you might need to develop your game in a slightly different way for example uh, for the sake of the youtube algorithm you might choose to focus more on really visual elements or some polish earlier mm -hmm. on than you otherwise would have and you're doing it because oh you know youtube is visual in nature and people need something interesting to look at and i'm just curious do you find that doing devlogs has kind of changed how you would approach making your game if you were just doing it completely in the dark with no eyeballs on how you're building the project? 100%. That's such a great point to bring up uh, that I don't see a lot of people talking about. Um, absolutely. And I, I don't necessarily think it's from a visual perspective. I know it's very common. I think probably good advice to really build out and prototype strong game mechanics before you spend a lot of time on art. Um, I did a, I tried to like learn a bunch of pixel art up front. Um, that definitely helped with creating devlogs that were interesting to look at. It was also just kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be building something that I enjoyed looking at uh, because, you know, I'll say it multiple times throughout this chat today, but this is really a hobby that I enjoy. And I, I try to lean into that and make it as enjoyable as possible. So I did start with a lot of artwork. Um, but where it has a big effect for me is there are some times, in fact, a lot of times where I'm really in the zone, I'm coding a new feature, I've got a lot of momentum, and it becomes very clear to me like, all right, I've got this big feature ahead of me, I know how I'm gonna build it out, I really should be making a devlog about this rather than just sitting down and powering through. Um, and that, like pausing development to record segments and edit this video throughout the week so that it's coming together, it takes so much time away from 
development and it also kind of can break you out of that flow where you're in and just making really good progress on your game um so it's absolutely a sacrifice on the development of the game to try to make devlogs um and it also means that you know i will try to make a week-long devlog where i really try to hammer out one big feature from beginning to end during that week i think the most recent one i did was climbing for dolphin you know i try to get everything ready at the beginning of the week all my art assets have my plan drawn out for how i'm going to implement something and then try my hardest to build out at least you know a nice vertical slice of that feature throughout the week so that it makes for a nice video not necessarily the way i would do it if i was just going through a more comfortable software development life cycle to right. build that out but that's the way it is when you're trying to make devlogs i guess that makes sense i'm really curious about specifically your style of devlog where there's a whole lot of uh you know there's more camera work involved with you know a devlog like yours and like thin matrixes mm -hmm. whereas a lot of what i see is like just plain screen capture with nobody's face on the screen so like what is a typical like you're you're in the thick of making a devlog just kind of like take us like on a 30 second spiel of like what is the process like for you in terms of like you're getting what is the setup like what what is it like recording a devlog for you just kind of what's the process a little bit yeah that's a great question i'll try to walk through like a typical day of like a day in the middle of like one of those week-long devlogs um i will wake up in the morning and you know throughout this entire week i'm thinking would now be a good time to record some b-roll you know so if you see b-roll of me making coffee that of course happens very early in the morning right uh b-roll of me working out in my garage you know I'll, just as i always go out into the garage like every other day to work out during a devlog week i'll take my camera with me and get one of those shots um but then in terms of the actual development it's really not that much different i'll sit down here at my desk and i have the camera in a position that's not too different than it is right now and i'll just basically point it at this screen um while i'm developing leave it on a time lapse hope i don't look too hunched over and have terrible posture for the final result of the video <laughs> and um you know that's just capturing all that all that b-roll um throughout the day always thinking about what could be a good shot and especially like all the outdoor stuff um you know when i'm walking moose or just taking a stroll outside or if i'm making coffee and it looks really nice outside with a nice sunrise that's where all that comes from um and you, sorry, in terms of actually recording oh go ahead i was yeah. gonna say sorry just in terms of equipment um do you have like a really expensive camera or are you just using a phone iphone 14 pro and a, a plastic tripod that's all right it. i do everything from my iphone i, lo I love that so i'm really happy to hear that someone with such pristine quality devlogs does it shooting a phone because that you know um you don't need like a thousand dollar camera in order to make devlogs right I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that anyways please continue oh and i think like i just said recording b-roll with whatever i'm doing if it you know happens to be nice outside if i'm taking a walk and there's something that's nice to look at i just pull it out of my pocket right i'm not carrying a bunch of gear with me it almost kind of makes it more authentic in my opinion um yeah, so that's like recording all the B-roll. And then really, at the end of the day, uh, apart from that, it's just taking breaks in development to you know, use OBS to screen capture my screen and, and talk about progress, um, which is probably my least favorite part because <laughs> I am pretty particular about trying to make sure I'm I'm not saying um a lot and you know I, I have some nice sound bites for the video and I try not to script it anymore because that always felt a bit too robotic to script 
out a description of a feature or something I just worked on. So I try to just do it off the cuff and it's always multiple takes and stuff. Um, and the question is like, when do I do it? Early in the morning's not great because our master bedroom's right down the hall and don't want to wake my wife up if she's still asleep. And then um, in the evening, I'm typically not working on this stuff because we're doing family stuff in the evening. So I just have to late morning, late evening, early evening, find time to do it um, and just figure it out. But yeah, that's that's about it. It's just carrying the camera everywhere and trying to be smart about when I pause development to record those updates in a way that kind of makes sense and is digestible small chunk updates so it's not like I just do all this stuff at once and then have a final update at the end. So it's all about finding that balance. Okay, awesome. Um, so I I was shocked actually to see because one of the things that I always do before I, I um, I've interviewed several people on the channel now and it's always a lot of fun talking, uh, just nerding out about different dev stuff with people. I always look on Steam to see like, you know, for example, last week I interviewed uh, Watt Designs and I found his game Isle Goblin on the top. Um, I filtered by Indie, but his game was there in the top wishlisted games. And I pulled it all into Excel and I figured out, okay, what place is he in? And I had to do all this stupid filtering and stuff. But anyways, I found out what position is he in and he didn't know. And he was like, oh, thanks. Now I've got something new to obsess over. But um but I, so I did the same process for yours, except I couldn't find Dauphin on Steam. And I, so I was like, okay, that can't be right. So I went to your YouTube channel to see, there's got to be a link in there, but I didn't see a link for that. So I'm assuming, unless I'm wrong, you don't have it published on Steam yet. So I'm just really curious as to what that's all about. And is there a specific time frame you're wanting to publish your Steam page at? Just walk me through your thought process. Yeah, no, you're entirely correct. It's not on Steam yet. And I do have a lot of folks asking when that Steam page is going to be up because uh, they want to wishlist it, which is awesome. I'm super <laughs> thankful for that enthusiasm. Um, so a lot of this comes down to my um, kind of inexperience with marketing and, um, you know, actually producing and releasing a PC game. I've only ever released stuff on Apple App Store and Google Play Store. The real answer here is that I think it's a little bit of imposter syndrome that has kept me from creating the steam page um even though i've worked on dauphin for three and a half years and i'm super proud of the progress i've made i still would not consider it in the state where i have a nice vertical slice of all the gameplay that i want to have and for me that was really the point i wanted to get to before i released the steam page because i didn't want to feel like i was getting people's hopes up to buy something that i didn't even at least have the complete vision in place for yet so I really would like to have that vertical slice of development done before I create that Steam page and start to gather that kind of physical interest in the game with wish lists. Um, that said, that could be an entirely incorrect approach. This is where I have a bit of a blind spot um, when it comes to like the marketing stuff. I'll be the first to tell you that um, because of you know how great the YouTube channel is doing, I tend to take marketing for granted and sometimes just think, oh, the YouTube channel, you know, I have so many people interested in my videos. Um, I don't need to do any more uh, marketing. And I know in the back of my mind, that's not correct. Um, so I probably should be thinking a little bit more seriously about getting that Steam page up, but that's just why I haven't done it yet. I really would like to be at that point where there's the vertical slice where I can say, hey, here's all the things you can actually do right now in the game. You can expect more of this when it comes out. And that's what I want people to make that wish list decision based on. No, I, I appreciate the honesty, honestly. That's like, um, I can certainly understand, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. we're uh, we're not like AAA studios here. Like, the projects are very, very personal, and it's like you 
want to be showing your best work. I very much understand where that's coming from. And I've heard arguments from both sides, by the way. I've, I've very much heard, like, if you have a square in your game, you should be pu publishing a Steam page. You know, if you've got a square that right. can move. And then I've heard the other side where, yeah. like, oh, you've only got uh, one chance to make a good first impression, so you best make sure that it's a good one. And I don't mm. really know what the right approach is. So I was... Um, no, I appreciate your candidness because I was wondering if there was a strategy or if it's just, you know, just one of those things that hasn't been done yet kind of thing. Yeah, no, there's not a strategy grounded in any best practice that I know of. It's a strategy based on um, how I would like to approach releasing Dauphin. Um, but yeah, not sure it's correct, but that's the trajectory we're on. If it, Well, if it makes you feel better, what I have found is I've heard you say it two or three times already throughout this interview. You say, like, I want to reiterate that this for you is a hobby, that you're doing this for fun in your mm -hmm. off time. And all the other people I've interviewed that are doing really, really well seem to share that same sentiment where they're like, they're really just following the fun. They're following the excitement part. And um, mm -hmm. they they know in the back of their mind, you know, like there, there's marketing that needs to be done. But generally speaking you're following the fun, you're following the excitement, and it's built you a really massive YouTube channel that from my perspective, I do imagine that whenever you decide to drop your Steam page, you probably are going to get a crap ton of wish lists uh, right off the get-go yeah. and, and they'll continue to accumulate, right? So it's, I can't predict the future, but I'm very much assuming that that will be the case. So um, I, I know he won't mind me sharing because it's public now, it's, it's going to be published. Watt Designs, uh, he basically, he's tried a few marketing strategies, but Really, the only thing that he's found has worked has been his devlogs, and his views are around the same as yours, I would say. He's got a very, very successful mm -hmm. channel, just hasn't been around quite as long as you, uh, but views are about the same, and he's got 20,000 wish lists now, and he wow. that's double what he was hoping to get, and he's now shooting for, he wants to launch with 50,000, because he's like, oh, well, I already doubled my expectation, why not, why not shoot for higher, right? So... Just yeah. to give you an idea of like someone who's kind of in the same position as you has been working on their project for a few years. That's where he's at. I'm not trying to say that it's a mistake that you haven't set up your Steam page. I'm really just, yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, that, that's amazing to hear. Um, <laughs> congratulations to him for having so much success with that Steam page launch. Um, I am excited to eventually set it up. Um, but yeah, I, and I also actually feel like I'm getting... I'm within reaching distance now of the vertical slice of I've, gameplay. There's like a ask. ton of polish. There's so much polish I need to add to all of the features you've seen me build in devlogs. Um, namely, a lot of them still need sound effects. Um, I've only composed a couple pieces of music for the game's soundtrack. Um, but, and I've actually seen this in the comments of my videos, which is so wonderful to read. But I, I see people saying the more you add these like implementations of your skill systems and the way that they work together, the more this game feels like it's coming together into something I really want to play, which is like exactly what I was hoping for as I continued to build it out. Um, and you know, all the skills aren't done yet. I still have a few I want to build. There's, I need to overhaul my dialogue system and, and incorporate like trading with NPCs and questing and rebuild the sailing system um, from when I upgraded to Godot 4. But I do feel like I'm within reach now because things feel like they're coming together and connecting in a way that matches up with my initial vision for the game, which at least feels really good for now and is continuing to motivate me to make progress. That's, that's awesome. So I, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to ask, uh, when you are ready to release your steam page, is that something that you'll make a devlog on? Cause I know that that's 
a kind of i don't know what you're allowed to show and what you're not actually um in terms of steam i hear that they have rules but that's the kind of thing that i know a lot more people want some exposure on is like what is it like to set up a steam page is that something you've thought of it's not, but it's something I will think of now. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm curious to know what you can share. Um, and certainly I feel like a lot of that process is probably providing information about like my business and stuff that uh, maybe some people don't have. Um, but yeah, that's not a bad idea. I personally have no idea what that's like. I haven't done any research into it. Uh, so it'll be a huge learning experience for me. But a lot of times the best devlogs are of me learning something and then trying to share it. So it's a pretty good idea. I agree with what you out. just said from an outside perspective as well. So when you're learning something, um, yeah, it's really fun to just watch you go through that process and watch how you end up approaching problems, you know, from an, another mm -hmm. developer's perspective. It's really cool. So I just want to ask, you have a full-time job and you manage this really, you know, th this crazy YouTube channel and crazy in terms of like your numbers is what I mean. And you mm -hmm. make, from my own perspective anyways, I'm not sure if you would say the same. It's because... But it looks like you're making very, very consistent progress on your game. Like it's, you know, things are always getting churned out. Um, you know, you're three years in, but you're part time. It's a 2D RPG. I would expect this would be a very long project to make. So it's probably like things are right where they should be. And most of the people listening in, I think, are in the boat of also, we said this earlier, they're part time, right? In terms of development, they have full time jobs and they're also only yep. able to make their games a little bit part time. And you're doing the game and YouTube on top of that, a very, very successful YouTube channel. So just, uh, we went through kind of what one of your like shooting days is like, but what, uh, tell us just a little bit more about kind of what is your generic schedule like, and just how the heck do you keep up with a full-time job and a balanced lifestyle and this YouTube channel and development on your game? Yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I'll try to remember everything you asked me to I'm, point out there. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. The first thing you mentioned was um, that you felt like the game was coming along or I was making consistent progress on it. And I agree with that. Um, it's something I'm very proud of being able to continue to do. Uh, the caveat there is that the progress is extremely slow uh, for all the reasons you just mentioned because I'm juggling so much stuff. But that is something that I'm okay with because in my mind, that's how it just has to be for me to continue making progress. Um, but yeah, so in, in terms of my my daily schedule um, and, and really how it all comes together, wake up at five in the morning. Um, I will probably get to my desk by 5.30. Um, from 5.30 to 6.30 is like one, one working kind of chunk for me. It'll either be working on Dauphin or if I'm burned out, it'll be playing a video game, get a refill of coffee, do the same thing until about 7.30. And then 7.30, Every day is either walk the dog uh, because my wife and I kind of take turns on his morning routine yeah. every other day. And if it's not a moose morning, it's uh, lifting in the gym out in the garage from 730 to eight. Um, and then at that point, it's like a shower and get ready for work. So I really have two hours uh, at most of game development time in the morning. Um, work then goes from like eight, eight thirty, nine, whenever I manage to kind of get settled in um, to five. And I'm very very lucky to be in a position where I typically am only working 40 to 50 hours a week and I am not required. I rarely have to do anything on weekends or like in the evenings. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be able to kind of just turn the work brain off at 5 PM and really not worry about it anymore. Um, and after work, 
that's when we again uh, wife and i walk the dog together we spend the evening together um and in some cases i will kind of come back upstairs and rarely work on dolphin some more a lot of times in the evening i'll work on a video a lot of times i'll just come up and um you know play a game or something at like nine o'clock after we've been hanging out if if we're not doing anything else um and I always make time for game night, which is a discord call with some of my closest friends. And we always are playing something on Thursday night. So I always have like that set time a week where even if I've been working on Dolphin all week and I need to keep working on Dolphin all week, uh, I have a game night with the buddies on Thursday night. So that's, that's always a fun thing. That's awesome. But yeah. That's, that's about it. That's how it goes every day. So in terms of, it sounds like you've got a really, really solid balance. So just, um, going along with that um work-life balance do you ever find that you have to say uh no to any social events or anything um that other people might you know feel the need to say yes to but you say no because of your development time or not so much because you do it early on in the morning i will never say no to like a social event or something like that because i need to work on dolphin or make a video and that's that kind of boils back to this not being my livelihood, right? It being a hobby for me. Right. Um, so this is one of those times where I'll say, okay, I'm gonna ease off on the throttle um, and have some me time. And ultimately that only benefits me in the long run to have that extra time with friends or family to decompress. Um, so yeah, the answer is just no. I, I really don't say no to those things because I have the flexibility to be able to not say no. It's starting to become very clear to me why burnout is not something <laughs> um, you know, it's something that you've managed to keep at bay, right? Or, or at least, um, yeah. at least I think it is, but, um, yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who, because I've heard you talk about building habits a couple of times on your channel. I think you did a couple of shorts on that a ways back or something. Um, if someone came to you and said, Ben, I'm really struggling to, uh, to be productive in working with my game. Like I want to make time to work on my game, but I'm really struggling to make the time and to actually like get stuff done or, or even if they're sitting down, but things just don't seem to be progressing at a rate that they're happy with. Like what, what would you tell them? Yeah. I, I wish there was like a one size fits all answer for this. Um, but in reality, I think there's a lot of different reasons why someone may feel like they can't sit down and get to work or make meaningful progress. Um, in terms of building habits, I would say, don't listen to me. Just read atomic habits by, I think James clear. That's I've a great that book, book. Like twice. Yeah. That's what I've made those shorts on. Um, and it's fantastic. It's, it's so good. And it is what I have used to build a lot of kind of what I do daily. You know, if you really sit down at your desk and you feel like you can't get to work, I think it's important to to critically think about why that is. Um, I've had that problem before, right? Um, sometimes I can't get to work because I am currently playing a game that I'm like super engrossed in. And I just think, wow, I'd really rather sit down and have my coffee and play this game right now, which happened recently because I just finished Dragon's Dogma before uh, the new Dragon's Dogma is coming out. And I was obsessed with that game and it probably <laughs> had an impact on progress I was making from week to week. Um, but you know, in other cases, like I talked about in my kind of new year's resolution video, um, I had this really bad habit of sitting down with coffee in the morning. And first thing I would just open up my browser and go to like Twitter or YouTube, um, just to see what was in the feed. And of course that spirals into 30 minutes to an hour of wasted time. So my fix there was to, you know, install this, this browser extension that doesn't let me open that right away. Ask me, Hey, do you have a reason that you're actually going to this content feed? Um, if not, let's think about it and rethink it. Um, and that's been a, a big help. So you really, I think, have to think about what it is 
that's preventing you from getting to work. Um, and another big one for me that I've talked about before is sitting down and not knowing what you're going to get to work on. If you just think you're going to sit down and open up your game engine and start working, but you don't know what it's going to be specifically, like what file you're going to jump into, what task you're going to tackle, you just it fizzles out so quickly, right? So a lot of fixing that problem for me is preparation the night before, writing down in my little kind of bullet journal, like what I want to tackle the next morning, making sure I have that card in like the ready to pick up column in my task tracker, uh, things like that. So a long-winded answer just to say, I think you have to think critically about why you're struggling to get started and try to address that specific problem and just go from there and see if you can start to kind of make progress. That's an awesome answer. So yeah, something you just said sparked uh, another question for me, which is planning. You you said you take the time to actually plan your stuff the night before. How much of your game do you actually mm-hmm. have planned out on paper or or digitally on, on your computer somewhere? Like, do you have bullet point, like really detailed from where you are right now all the way to the end? Or is it a little more general than that? What's your kind of plan look like for dolphin so i do try to be detailed with the planning uh for the reason that i just kind of described which is i want to be able to sit down in the morning and say i'm going to work on this task which will hopefully take me about an hour Um, because if i don't have that sometimes it's really tough to get started Um, that said i don't have it planned out from beginning to end i'm kind of building the plane as i'm flying it or whatever they say for that saying Um, i do have tasked out a lot of the the core gameplay features that I want to build in Dauphin, um, including all the skills as part of the skills system and major other kind of game components, like being able to talk to NPCs and pick up quests and how I want those quests to kind of manifest in game and be completed by the player, things like that. Um, But I have placeholders for a lot of stuff, like the sailing mechanic, for example, is one that I've just noodling on a lot right now because I actually implemented that back longer than six months ago, back when I was using Godot three and I just did not like how it turned out. And I got a lot of really uh, helpful, critical feedback in the YouTube comments from when I posted that devlog um, saying that this just doesn't look like it's very fun. Um, And they're absolutely right. It served the purpose of getting the player like from one Island to the other, but it was totally boring to actually interact with the system. So um, I have a placeholder. I have like a sailing feature that has nothing in there, no tasks, no bullet points or anything that I need to figure out. So it's a mix of everything, but I do think it's important to have those granular tasks that help you kind of figure out what you're doing every day. So is it safe to, if I were to summarize what you just said, then is it safe to say that you kind of have the really important gameplay loop mechanics summarized and already planned out for the most part, but then a lot of the like little fun details that are going to get sprinkled in, you kind of figure those out as you go some of the time. Is that fair to say? I think I have of a good analogy. I have like the whole skeleton and a bunch of the muscles, but not all the muscles and really not a whole lot else apart from that. Okay. There's a lot more detail um, that there's a lot more detail that I'll implement that I'll probably never capture in my planning tool just because at some point I feel like you get diminishing returns planning out every little detail, but that's, yeah, that's about the best I can say. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. That also very much falls in line with a lot of the other people that I've talked about that really follow the fun and follow the excitement of their project. You end up um, taking this kind of you've got enough planning where you always know what you're going to be working on that day, but it's not Mm -hmm. so minutely detailed out that like, there's no room for anything else. I think that's a really smart approach to take personally. 
Um, yeah, and also just with the me trying to make a good use of every little bit of time I devote to game dev, I don't want to be living in my planner all the time tasking out stuff. You know, I want to task out what I need to get done and then move on to actually doing it, which is another reason why it's a little bare bones probably. That makes sense. So I want to talk about marketing for a second. Marketing is a, obviously a really huge topic for indie developers, and you obviously are not the kind of guy that just is completely flying blind. Like I'm sure. Um, so, so in terms of marketing, we talked about this a little bit with your Steam page, but in terms of like when you're a lot closer to the end of actually releasing your game, what what in your situation is going to change? Like what what do you what do you have in mind in terms of marketing when you get close, or or do you not know yet? I I don't know yet. Um... I, that is a blind spot for me, certainly. I think once I get to that point of having the vertical slice of gameplay that I think is marketable, that's when there will be kind of a, a gear shift for my day-to-day -day where I do invest a lot of time into understanding what marketing options are available and how to start um, effectively doing that. Um, once I have you know that stuff that I can actually feel very confident about showing off, but I have not done enough research into that. As I mentioned before, um, I've kind of gotten a, a little too comfortable thinking, oh, I have this great YouTube channel, you know, that does all the marketing I need. I, I know that's not the case. Um, so yeah, I will need to do a lot of research. I don't have much of a plan. Um, flying a little bit blind in that respect, but that's just, you know, one of the concessions I've had to make to make room and time for other things in the meantime. Is um, a Kickstarter or going with a publisher or launching early access, any of those kind of additional options that might um, come up to the surface at a lot of develop on a lot of developers' minds, it, is that something that you would consider or be open to or something you've thought about? I think those things are worth considering. Um, you know, right off the bat, I think a Kickstarter doesn't make a lot of sense for me because I don't really need funding for the game because I, you know, am doing this alongside a full-time job that right. certainly provides what I need here. Um, publisher, something I need to do more research on. Um, you know, you asked me earlier, what's the, what's the inspiration behind the YouTube channel? Definitely Thin Matrix. The entire inspiration behind the solo game dev mindset is Stardew Valley. And I'm probably one of a million solo developers who are inspired by Stardew Valley in this yep. way. Um, and I know that he initially launched without a publisher uh, before working with, I think, Chucklefish. I think, um, to, you know, partner and publish and ultimately port to different platforms. So I need to do some more research and understand the pros and cons of working with a publisher. Um, you know, I'd love to think maybe I could self publish just so that I can, you know, not have that revenue share. Um, but that will probably depend on how effectively I'm able to market the game. Cause I know that's a big part of that relationship with a publisher is using their, um, tools and influence to kind of do some of that marketing. So I will certainly evaluate these things. I can't, say with any confidence for now what will be a right fit okay gotcha you also mentioned that uh thin matrix part of your inspiration in terms of his channel was just the lifestyle in terms of this like solo work you know you work on your game make yourself a healthy lunch yep. take your dog out for a walk come back home work solo on your game again and i mm -hmm. uh, would have to imagine that working with a publisher kind of takes away from that solo or independent feel a little bit too right yeah well i think it's hard to answer that question because I personally don't know entirely what uh, working with a publisher would be like, right? Um, I don't know how much they would actually want to be involved with 
the technical portions of the project or would they just be kind of helping to understand marketing and how I want to distribute the game? Um, and this comes down to my ignorance of having never worked with a publisher or researched that in depth before. I haven't either. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. So, I mean, I'll certainly say that off the bat, I've done everything myself so far, right? I've, I've set up my business. I've built everything in the YouTube channel. I've done all the art, the music, the sound, and certainly the code. So I don't, it's just another hurdle that I feel like I sh I could try to learn to clear myself. And if I can't, that's when I ask for help, but I've been, I've been solo so far. So why not try to learn one more thing? Makes sense. I always find it fun to hear about favorite from other developers. What is your favorite part of making games? And what is like, is there, are there any parts that you like absolutely hate working on? Or you really, really just like despise? Like, uh, I know, uh, Code Monkey, who I watch a lot because he's a Unity developer. So if I, you know, especially back when I was learning, I would watch a lot of his stuff to figure things out. And I know that he has said um, sound design is something that he really, really hates. He just, for whatever reason, putting sound effects into his game, it's just a really tedious task that he doesn't like. Do you have anything, mm -hmm. anything like that? And what are your favorite parts as well? Yeah, so I'll try to start with the dislikes because I when you sent me this list of questions I actually kind of had to think about this one and I still think I didn't come up with a great answer um, in terms of just the game development the part that gives me the most trouble is um, the artwork and more specifically animation um, okay 2d pixel animation is something that I struggle immensely with um, and this you could probably see this manifested in like the devlogs where I was trying to create I think it was about eight different sprites for my initial sailboat when it's like rotating as you're sailing around. Those eight sprites took me probably like a week to make and they still looked very bad. Um, just It just drives me nuts how long it takes me to come up with something that I'm satisfied with. And also my player sprite in Dauphin, um, one of the most common comments I get is like, why does your player sprite look so weird? And it's like, well, because <laughs> I'm not very good at making player sprites and I've already put uh, like so many hours into the animations for this one and I just can't stomach the idea of refactoring it right now. So it's staying yeah. how it is for the time being. <laughs> so that's a struggle for me. Um, artwork's always a struggle, um, but I am quite proud of like what I've learned with pixel art. Um, I, I've never been, I, I've taken like piano lessons before and oh, actually a ton of piano lessons. So I feel pretty good about the music side of things and I actually kind of enjoy that, but doing artwork um, is a struggle and something I'm always working on. So. That's my toughest part, or part. I think my most favorite part of game development is architecting large features and thinking about the best way to implement those. And that's actually what I like about what I do at work. Um, I typically, at this stage in my career, am helping to architect mobile solutions or websites for like large um, clients. And thinking about how all the big pieces come together into like a scalable, maintainable thing is a puzzle that I really like solving. It's really just a bigger version of the smaller puzzles you're solving throughout day-to-day -day development tasks, you know, trying to develop certain algorithms to perform certain functions and things like that. I really enjoy that. So um, a, a great example is when I built the phishing system, trying to understand how I wanted to create different classes and scenes for like fishing poles and bait and the fish themselves and where I wanted the actual functionality to live conceptually. Like the fishing rod is actually the class that's responsible for creating the pulling power against the fish that has its own responsibility for pulling in various opposite directions. 
that stuff I just love thinking about and building out. So I'd say the like the architecting of new big features is something I just love doing. And that always matches up well with the devlog too, which never hurts. That's awesome. Yep. That's interestingly, that's one of my favorite parts as well. I'm I'm working on uh environmental hazards in my game right now and being able to mm-hmm. like create a base class that I can then expand into like working into 10 to 12 different types of traps that you might trigger when you walk into a room. It's like, it's so much fun trying to like create a system to be able to make that. And then you can end up slapping different pieces together. It's like, okay, so I've got, you step on this trigger here and like a flame shoots out of the wall, but now I could attach that flamethrower to like something in the room that starts spinning. And now you've got like four of them and you've got to like dodge these. It's like, you could just start. No. Sl- it's you said it was a puzzle, right? And I'm 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 sorry. I'm taking the spotlight here, but anyways, it's it's one of those like um, uh, it, it's like a puzzle that you put together, and it's so much fun. So I'm just I'm sorry. I'm nerding out. I'm just sharing in your enthusiasm for building out systems. Anyways, so yeah. I no, I really enjoy that too. It's, yeah, it's a joy. It's one of my favorite things about sitting down to get to work on it every day. So I, I'm curious, if Dauphin were to launch and was uh, very successful, would that change anything for you in terms of like what you would want to do for your day job? Is is game dev something that you would want to do full time if given the option? Uh, point blank, yeah, I think so. You know, I think um, Dauphin would have to be very successful for me to consider something like that. And I will also say that a big a big part of again continued um motivation to work on dolphin is not that i'm working towards that that's not my end goal um because i think expectation management is very important with developing an indie game right but yeah if if dolphin did just really well um that would absolutely be a conversation i would have with my wife and in fact <laughs> she's already you know we've, we've talked about that before um you know pipe dreams about that kind of thing i would love to be able to do this all day and just kind of lean into this passion. Um, that's not to say I don't love what I do at work because I actually really do. Um, but you know, being able to do this all day would be wonderful. But like I said, I'd I'd have to experience a lot of success because I would really want the, the stability is something that I, I would never sacrifice. Um, you know, I've had so many people say, you know, you've got something really good going with Dauphin and your YouTube channel. Have you considered, you know, quitting your job and just working full-time on Dolphin, spinning up a quick start or something. I could never personally do that. I, I, the uncertainty would just stress me out and would impact everything that I do. So probably take yeah, the fun I would, right I would out of it too. Consider it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It would no longer be a hobby. Right. Yep. Um, and that's when you see all these videos about people quitting game dev or quitting YouTube, it's, they say, well, it, it turned, my passion turned into a job. Um, and that may be even something to consider if Dolphin ever did well. Um, would it ruin it if I if I quit my job to work on it full time? I don't know, but I would probably still want to do that if I had the opportunity. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Um, yeah. So, so I want to. I t- you and I talked about this. I think I can't remember if it was before I hit record or after. But everything in your videos, everything in your office, <laughs> everything's pristine. Like you, I'm looking at your desk right now. You've got this like beautiful like everything is just clean you've got this apartment i you um the camera angles that you do in your devlogs show like the size of your office you've often got uh your dog over on the couch on the other side of the room you've got this office like the size of some people's apartments um with that's a bit of an exaggeration but like it's massive everything's really pristine and just 
the vibe that I get when I watch your channel is the same one that I get from uh, Thin Matrixes. Is like, you guys just really have your friggin' crap together. You guys are chill. You don't experience any stress. You don't seem to experience any struggles whatsoever. That This is just my own outside perspective. Yeah. So just with, oh, all, yeah. with all of that in mind, I just want to ask, like, point blank, have you ever at any point throughout this process struggled with motivation or burnout or... Um, I think you mentioned something about imposter syndrome a little bit a while ago. So just any of those typical things that you might hear, have you struggled with any of those? Yeah, I have. Um, but I would say that I've, I've learned to manage it in such a way that when I do experience those, I get like a, a micro dose of that stuff. And then I'm able to kind of work around it. Um, you know, as I've already mentioned before, I will absolutely have mornings where I walk into the office and think, I, I know I should work on editing this video. I know I should make an hour's worth of progress on this feature because I really want to get this devlog out on Saturday. And if, if I know it's going to be a miserable hour working on the game, I won't do it. Um, and that's not always the case. Sometimes if if I know that like, hey, I've taken a break the past two days, right? I really need to kind of get back on the wagon. Um, I will get back on the wagon. And a lot of that is sometimes just getting started, uh, opening up the file, starting to write some code, and, and that can kickstart you. But I really do try to catch these things early and mitigate them. And, you know, in the ways we've kind of already talked about. And at the end of the day, all of this boils down to me being able to do this because I'm making and because I'm willing to make slow progress on the game, progress at my own pace, at my own comfortable pace. Um, so yeah, it absolutely happens. And I think it happens to everyone. And you just have to figure out what way works for you and your workflow in your life to try to mitigate it. Okay. So did I answer it, the question? I don't know. If it, does. It, it did. It did. Yeah. So I just, um, if someone were to come to you and um, say, if you have a really hard day with development, let's say you you decided to sit down for two hours and um, you did some really miserable work and maybe everything you worked on that day is just garbage and you had or or it didn't work or it's not doing what you wanted and you had to scrap it and you just had like a mm -hmm. really, really hard day. Um, what kind of tips would you give people to or, or just what do you do to get through those hard days? Is it just kind of like a bit of a mindset thing where it's like this is just a part of the process or is there anything does working out help you deal with the stress of that or is there anything particular? That's a great question. I'm trying to think of because I absolutely have that. I have, especially with uh, working in art and animations, I will spend <laughs> sometimes my, my whole two hour morning working on a piece of art and I'll realize wow, sometimes, somehow this looks worse than when I started two hours ago and I'll scrap it. Um, maybe a big part of that for me is that, you know, because I have such finite predefined working windows of, you know, like maximum two hours in the morning, I will end up taking the rest of a day thinking about something entirely different because I have to totally change gears for work and then doing, you know, family time stuff after work. A lot of the times I won't even be thinking about this problem again until the next morning where I, you know, literally have slept on it and come in with a fresh set of eyes and can say, all right, I'm ready to take another pass at this. Um, so I typically never stalled too long on any one kind of frustrating problem like that. Uh, but it does happen all the time. You know, I think it's hard for me to suggest a solution to someone because how I do it is so specific to my schedule and my setup here. Right. Um, but it seems to what works for me is taking that time away to kind of say, all right, I, I've worked on something. I have failed. Maybe I learned something here. Ideally, you've learned something here. Let me kind of just process that, change gears, freshen up, and come back and take another pass at it. 
using what I learned to try and make it better. Um, that sounds like a, a cookie cutter crap answer, but that's, <laughs> I think ultimately what I end up doing, whether or not I realize it most of the time. No, that makes sense. It, it's really because I know that walking away from development and then obsessing over it all day long or like stressing about it, especially after you did happen mm -hmm. to have a really bad development day can end up just ruining the whole rest of your day. And then yeah. you'll wake up the next day and you really won't want to get back to working on your game because you're afraid like, oh, what if I still can't solve it? And um, so yeah. it sounds like a big part of the thing for you is just being able to actually mentally switch gears into something else, which gives your your mind that kind of relaxation period to just mull it over in the background and you'll just come to it fresh tomorrow. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think um, totally disconnecting from it for some period of time and being able to come back and approach it from a new not even a new angle, but just reapproach the problem um, with kind of a fresh set of eyes and a fresh mind. Because, uh, like I said, when eight o'clock rolls around, you know the the game dev stuff gets totally shut down because you know I'm off to work doing stuff, and so I have to totally disconnect from it. And that must be what helps me come in fresh each morning to to think about it. No, that makes sense. Um, so, Ben, what advice would you give to uh, new or aspiring game developers that are either just wanting to get into game development or they're, you know, they've kind of started dabbling, but they're struggling with overwhelm with learning everything. Just what, what advice would you give to those people? Another good and tough question. <laughs> um, I think the, the broadest advice that I could personally give is just to make sure you're having fun with it. Um, I think that is the absolute foundation of, you know, I'll say all the success I'm having, I say that with quotes because, you know, how do you measure success, right? In my case, it's not releasing a game that's made a bunch of money because I've never done that. Um, but being able to consistently work on a project that you're passionate about for a long period of time, that's driven by the fact that I have fun doing it. And I make sure I'm maximizing my chance to always have fun doing it, which is, you know, by managing my time appropriately, giving myself breaks. Um, I think if you are doing this part-time as a hobby and you're trying to say, um, Hey, I'm going to start this as a hobby so that I can quit my job. Um, I'm going to try to make five hyper casual games this year. And hopefully one of them is a smash hit and I can, you know, have this nice side hustle. I think, you know, if that's what you, that's what you need to do. And that's what you want to do. You have to approach things your way, but that is not how I have found the success that I've had. It's by really embracing it as a hobby, something I'm passionate about and something that I enjoy. And that has made it easy to learn new things because I'm excited to learn how to build what I want to build and excited to work on it every day because it's just something I enjoy. I'm just repeating myself at this point, but I really feel like that's the key for me. That's awesome, man. And you know, like I, I really appreciate your candidness throughout this whole thing. Like I think that a lot of people are um, are in the shoes of having full-time jobs and maybe wanting to be able to do game, game development full-time kind of kind of like it sounds like it that's the dream thing for you too right so i i think a lot of people are going to be really helped by just a lot of your tips and advice that, and just hearing what your side of the story is like and what development is like for you i think a lot of people are going to be helped by everything that you've said so uh, i just want to really thank you again especially for joining me on a sunday i really appreciate it because you know, i'm sure there's other things you'd rather be doing on a sunday but uh, i just want i do want to give you an opportunity in case there are any closing thoughts or any closing words that you want to say before we switch off here i just want to open that up to you if you want to say anything oh sure uh you know it's it's been a real pleasure joining you for this this was great conversation uh just as you've mentioned i love nerding out with people about stuff like this <laughs> so this was really enjoyable um 
you know, it's, it's really humbling to have so many people interested in my channel and Dauphin um, and interested in, you know, how I manage my time and everything we've talked about. So uh, if you're out there watching, thank you. Uh, thanks for the supporters of the channel and everything. It means a lot. It is continuously motivating for me to keep making content and keep working on Dauphin. So I'll just say thanks. I think it's about it. All right. And I do want to just plug your stuff. Uh, I do. You guys who are watching, you're definitely going to go and want to go to YouTube and look at his channel. It's called DevDuck. That's just one word. And, you know, whenever Ben does end up dropping the Steam page, you're going to want to uh, <laughs> you're going to want to subscribe to his channel so that you know when that happens. And then you can go and wishlist the game because I know I've watched a lot of Ben's videos on Dauphin and it does really look like a really it's a game that I'm looking forward to playing. And, you know, I hope you take your time with it. Don't burn yourself out. But whenever it is released, I'm really looking forward to it. So, guys, make sure you go check him out on YouTube. And again, that's DevDuck. So, uh, Ben, thank you again. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Take care, man. And that's all I've got. If you loved this episode and you haven't already left a rating and review, please consider doing that now. It really helps the podcast grow and reach more awesome developers like yourself. Thank you so much for listening.